Hey folks, Daryl for School of Thought. It's great to be back after a couple of weeks. I hope you had a great holiday season, new year, and now that we're back into the swing of things. However, we gotta talk about something. You gotta talk about COVID because, well, we're approaching the second year anniversary of the first lockdown, and it's been a long ride. A ride that I don't know about you, but I am very excited to get off of in the very near future. But folks, what are we dealing with here? As I speak right now, uh, in the 14th of January, uh, 2022, we're dealing with the, the most dominant strain of COVID that we've seen yet. It's known as the Omicron variant. It's way, way, way more transmissible than the original COVID-19 that we dealt with in March of 2020. And it's more serious than even the Delta variant that we've been warned about. And why? Because quite frankly, anyone, I mean anyone, can get it thing that I think we've all learned about COVID is it does not see race. It does not see gender. It does not see sexuality. It does not see how much you are worth. It does not care about the position you hold. How many people are relying on you. It does not care, quite frankly. Anyone can get it. And the thing about the Omicron variant is, you know, the scientist, and you know, one of the things I actually even want to say before I start talking about what the scientists are saying is I am not a scientist. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. This is what I've been able to glean from my research and some of the sources that I've used are very reputable. I've used the CDC, the Center for Diseases Control. Uh, these are the people who've been doing some of the original research on COVID-19. I've used government reports. I've used uh, the CBC, CTV News. And so yes, I've used reputable sources, but there are times I may get this wrong. and. Feel free to A, you know, correct me, call me out on that in the comments section because we're all learning here. So I just want to give you that grain of salt. Daryl is not an expert, <laughs> okay? But now I'm going to talk about the fact that, you know, the, the thing about the Omicron variant is, you know, they say, yes, it's less severe compared to the Delta variant or the original COVID variant, uh, variant alpha that we were dealing with at the beginning of 2020. But the thing too is it's also, again, more transmissible. And the effects that people feel are way, way different. You know, like I myself, I, I got it. And you know, to me, it just felt like a really crappy cold. You know, I had the tickle behind my throat. I had the headache. You know, I wasn't feeling muscle fatigue or, you know, fatigue in general. I mean, a whole lot less energy. There was coughing, you know, the post-nasal drip. 
but that's just my experience. You know, someone else, for example, had a way more different experience than me. Someone, you know, wasn't able to get out of bed. They just had no energy, were completely fatigued. Other people coughing more, as you know. Other people, you know, have maybe they too lost their, you know, uh, you know, sense of taste. We don't know because, again, we are dealing with a totally different situation. And because of the high transmissibility and the fact that to some it just feels like a crappy cold, there's a bunch who don't even know that they have it but they have it and you know i'm going to be talking about my thoughts on that later in the show but what are the scientists again saying as well scientists are saying that vaccines are still the key tool that we have in combating covid that's that's just what they're saying and you know we're lucky here in canada that you know for the most part we're at almost 90% who have their first dose, about 3 4% behind who have the second dose. And you know where the, the, the booster campaign is beginning to pick up its speed, but you know it's not going as fast as it should because, again, people are still getting their head around the, the this whole Omicron thing because, you know, Again, no one fully understands what's going on. And that's that's okay because we're we're all in the same boat, but you know, we're gonna keep on chipping on, we're gonna we're gonna chive on, and that's that's it. But you know, a, a, a lot of Canadians have, you know, been getting uh, the vaccine, and you know that's that's a great thing. And you know, quite frankly, you know there's there's still a significant portion, approximately ten to fifteen percent, who haven't haven't gotten their shot yet. And you know, I'm just gonna you know give my own little thoughts, which is, I think for the most part, everyone knows someone who, for some reason or the other, has not gotten the COVID vaccine. And so this talk of, you know, demonizing the unvaccinated, I I don't think it's the wisest thing to do. Uh, You know, the the president of France, Emmanuel Macron, uh, used a a French word. And, you know, uh, to my Francophone listeners, you know, I'm just going to apologize because I may... I may get the pronunciation wrong, but I think you all know where I'm going with it. It's a, a mondraire, a, a mondraire. It's, it's basically the long and short is to cover in excrement. And uh, well, the English translation is just piss off. And you know, I get it, but at the same time, is it the most wise decision? I'm not sure because I'm not in government, but you know, to, you know, the unvaccinated out there, you know, hey, uh, you know, 
It's not a bad idea to get the COVID shot. It's not the worst thing in the world. It won't be the end of the world, but, you know, to a certain extent, you know, you have the right not to, you know, take the vaccine. But that also means that sometimes you don't get to share and, you know, the privileges. I mean, like, let's think about it. For example, the polio, it's been largely eradicated because of vaccines. And, and the, the policy that, you know, if you're going to be going to school, you got to get the polio vaccine. Or things such as smallpox, largely eradicated because of vaccines. Now, you know, that was obviously a different age, the age of autocrats, where you basically didn't have a choice or medical exemptions or whatnot. But, you know, I think to act as if you're also being attacked single-handedly also isn't exactly true. I mean, because, for example, I mean, when you get the chicken pox, I mean, do you go out into public? No. And, but I digress. I digress. Because... No, we live in a free country. We live in a free society. And uh, back on track, scientists say that uh, vaccines are still the key tool in combating COVID. And that, you know, one of the things we need to understand about the vaccine, because one of the big cases that those who are hell-bent against the vaccine are saying is, you know, even people who get even people who are vaccinated still get COVID and are still getting the Omicron. Variant. So what the heck is the point? But the thing that you, we got to understand is that the vaccine is not a miracle cure. But when the people who were coming up with the vaccine, you know, God love them, they had certain objectives that they had to meet in order to say that, yes, this is this is the one that we should be presenting to the public. And those three things are, does the vaccine protect against severe illness? Does the vaccine prevent people, for the most part, being hospitalized and being in the intensive care unit? And third, does it prevent death, for the most part? And you know the data that the scientists were presenting said that yes, these three objectives were being met. So it was released to public. So yes, there are people who got both shots of the COVID vaccine, be it Pfizer or Moderna, or some got AstraZeneca, others got Johnson and Johnson and so many other vaccines. They did the they did the vaccine program and they still got it. But then for example, the scientists are saying that even those who are fully vaccinated, they got their two shots, and heck, even some of the people who got the booster but still got it, the way they dealt with it is way, way different than someone who's unvaccinated who got it. Again, for example, I got both shots of Pfizer. I still got it. But, you know, instead of being in a hospital or whatnot, God forbid, 
it just felt like a really crappy cold. But again, that's not everyone's experience. And so, you know, we got to continue with the vaccines. But, you know, again, there has been a certain ineptness that has been shown by our government leaders during this COVID response, especially towards the end of 2021 and the beginning of 2022, which is right now, we've got a rapid testing shortage. And so, you know, right now, for example, in the province of Ontario, the provincial government has said that they are reserving the rapid test for, you know, frontline workers, which is not wrong. I mean, like, for example, our docs, they've been doing great work, especially in the ICU. I mean, God love the nurses. I mean, the the absolute horrors that, you know, our nurses have had to go through. You know, they're working 12-hour shifts. They're, they're going to see so, so many people who are sick. And, you know, for example, we've got legislation that's kind of capping their pay increase. I think that's that's wrong. And so, you know, to the nurses that are fighting Bill 124, you know, we salute you because, you know, nurses, nurses have been one of the key backbones in this fight. I mean, we're talking about people who work in long-term care. They've been, they've been doing great in looking after the elderly, looking after our grandmas, our grandpas, our grandparents, loved ones who are old, talking about pharmacists who have, you know, been key and given out the jab, who've been filling out prescriptions, who've been doing so much there. They're doing overtime. So, so many frontline workers. So yes, of course, it's important that they have access to both the rapid antigen test and the PCR test. But regular civilians like you and me also need that access to the rapid test because, like I said, this is a highly transmissible virus that those on the front lines and those not in the front lines are also getting. And so the province says that you should just assume that you have it. But I think also that, again, Testing's a big part of how we come out of this thing as well. And so the fact that, you know, in November, October there, scientists were saying that, you know, this this could be a fifth wave. Got to get ready. Got to be able to procure. And a procurement campaign hadn't begun yet. I think it shows, again, ineptitude, a lack of foresight. And it's only now that the federal government announced that they're going to be buying 140 million rapid tests that they'll be distributing to the provinces. But is it is it too little, too late? I don't know. Only time can tell. And again, more ineptitude by our, our government is fly by the seat of your pants decisions. I mean, let's look at the booster campaign. 
the scientists are saying that it's important to also get a booster, a third dose that will be helpful against combating things like the Omicron variant. However, at first, governments were saying, okay, we got to let the seniors get it first and after a certain timeline. And then one day, the premier says that, no, we're, we're changing it so that basically everyone over the age of 18 is eligible for the booster shot. And then this fly by the seat of your pants decision, it affects everyone, including those who are giving the vaccine. For example, once again, let's look at the pharmacist who have been doing a lot of work in administering the vaccine. All of a sudden, they're told, yeah, no, there's going to be a surge of people who are looking for the vaccine. They're getting all sorts of phone calls, left, right, center. And yet, they, they can't handle it themselves because they're already overloaded. They're already working to the brink. And so what they do, what, what our governments do matters. And the decisions that they make need to be deliberate and done in consultation with stakeholders. But it's not just the provincial governments who have who've not been doing good. Heck, even, even our federal government. For example, Prime, Prime Minister Trudeau, during the 2021 election, it's come to light, on, on a Quebec TV channel, basically, and I'm just paraphrasing here, said that those who are unvaccinated are off are you know sexist, racist, xenophobic people. And you know, we, we gotta, you know, combat them and defeat them. Stuff along the lines of that. And you know, A, one of the things that I mean, heck, I even noticed is, I mean, why didn't he say that in English, Canada? I I don't know. I mean, he's obviously gonna have to answer for that. But I think the, the, the key thing I want to emphasize here is that, you know, they've painted this image of, you know, basically the unvaccinated as, you know, rednecks living in the boonies. When meanwhile, people, the people who are least likely to get the vaccine are often racialized communities who have often been, you know, systemically oppressed. I'm talking about, you know, for example, black people who have been, you know, they tested all sorts of quackery on them and, you know, completely devastated their lives. So word, and I'm using this word because I can't find an, another word, suspicious of things like vaccines. But that's, you know, not a blanket statement for all racialized communities. And, you know, we, we got to be careful about the words that we say and the information that we have because everyone here is on edge. And so to kind of pit the vaccinated against the unvaccinated, I think it doesn't make us better off. And I think once this thing is all said and done, it's going to be these lingering tensions for a long time. And, you know, again, talking about, you know, those racialized communities, I mean, for example, the government of Quebec is thinking about creating a fee for those who aren't vaccinated, but get COVID and go to the hospital. Again, we're talking about, you know, racialized communities 
you know, some of which can be quite financially destitute, but not all of them, going to the hospital, taxing them. And second of all, that might even be going against the, the whole premise of universal health care, which is that everyone is able to access health care free of cost. I mean, obviously, we pay for it through our taxes, but still. And the government of Quebec's like, this isn't going to be some, you know, media, uh, you know, mediocre, you know, small fee. This is this is significant. We want to take a bite out of their wallets. Again, I'm paraphrasing here. But, you know, we, we got to be careful. Governments need to be disciplined. And you think after two years of this, they would, but they're not. And we got to, and they got to be careful because, you know, the Canadian people, they've been quite understanding and, you know, for the most part, we've given governments the benefit of the doubt. But if they keep up this ineptitude, there will be a backlash. A backlash, and I'm thinking even the likes of the Yellow Vest protest in 2018 in France, where life ground to a halt, the nation was utterly divided. So we, we they, they got to be careful. But it's not just government, it's business too. Talking about CEOs who are making millions and millions of dollars, way more in profit. And what are they doing with those profits? They're buying back their stock. They're giving their executives big, big bonuses. I mean, the government of Canada gave Air Canada a massive loan. Meanwhile, Air Canada is announcing that they're giving their CEO and all their, you know, C-suite people, you know, big fat bonuses. That should not be happening. If anything, these guys need to be taking a pay cut, showing their people that, hey, we're all in this together. I'm not going to be getting rich off of your work. And, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic... They said, we're going to be giving hero pay. We're going to be giving you a bump in the pay to, you know, the to, to the regular workers. Oh, that hero pay driveled up a long time ago. And that's not right. We, we got it until this pandemic is fully over. Those on the front lines, and I'm not just talking about our pharmacists and our nurses and our long-term care people. I'm also talking about those who work in the factories, those who are you know, our, our truckers. I'm talking about those who work in the grocery stores. Those guys, they need pay raises. So, you know, we, we got to pay our people. We can't just, you know, clap for them and, you know, say, God love you, give them a pat on the back. You got to show them that we appreciate the work they're doing and that they are essential. If they're essential Pay them like they're essential. But those are, you know, basically, to conclude, you know, this is an infliction point that we're dealing with this. Some are saying it's the fourth wave. Some are saying it's the fifth wave. But either way, it's the Omicron wave. And we got we to gotta be serious about this. You know, we as civilians... We gotta keep on, we gotta follow the rules to the best of our ability. You gotta stay safe, gotta do what's right, 
governments and authorities, they also have to be smart about the decisions they make and how they make them. Businesses need to be more perceptive in the actions that they take. Because quite frankly, and I know we've heard this a a lot since March 2020, the only way we're going to be getting out of this thing is if we get out of it together. So let's, you know, all remember that we're each other's keepers. We've got to be here for each other. And that one day, hopefully soon, we'll all be able to say, I lived through the COVID-19 pandemic and I saw its end. Stay spicy, folks. Thank you.